Welcome to the first of the teachings in the series of Journeying Through the Bible for the year 2022. I just would like to commit this teaching to our Heavenly Father. Father God, thank you for your precious word once again. Thank you for your word. It will not return void. It will accomplish that for which it was sent, and it will prosper in Yeshua's mighty name. This is rather a complicated subject to address, to say the least, ungodly soul ties. But under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I felt led to deal with the subject in this particular session in a simple manner as possible. Firstly, what is an ungodly soul tie? Well, let's turn to 2 Chronicles 20 verse 35 to 37 to answer this question. Before I read it, however, I would like to provide a bit of background to the story. The full narrative can be read at leisure in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 right through to 23. And today I'm just going to highlight a couple of those scriptures just to get the point across. Here we have a godly king of Judah called Jehoshaphat. The Bible tells us that he had great wealth and honor and loved and served the Lord wholeheartedly bringing reformation in many ways to his people. However, he had a bad habit of forming unholy alliances with evil leaders for diplomatic purposes, one of which was a business partnership with Israel's wicked king, Ahab, whose evil wife was the notorious Jezebel. Jehoshaphat also foolishly married off his son, Jehoram, to Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, and her name was Athelia, and she was a very cruel woman who, like her mother, was a murderess. So this ungodly covenant proved extremely detrimental to future generations. In later years, he also formed an alliance with Ahab and Jezebel's son, who at that time was King Ahaziah. He took over from his father, who was Ahab the results of which are described in the following portion of Scripture, reading from 2 Chronicles 20, verse 35 to 37. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, and he acted wickedly in doing so. He joined him in building ships to go to Tarshish for trade, and they built them in Ezion Geber. Then Eliezer, the son of Dodavirhu of Marashah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has broken down what you have built. So the ships were wrecked and were unable to go to Tarshish. This unholy connection proved disastrous and resulted in the wreckage of an entire fleet of cargo ships, plus a rebuke from Eliezer, a prophet of God. This was not the only warning which Jehoshaphat received from the Lord concerning his ungodly ties with Ahab's family, all of whom were idol worshippers and promoters of the pagan god Baal. It's good to note as well that an earlier rebuke from another prophet is described in 2 Chronicles 19 verse 1, and it also shows God's displeasure towards Jehoshaphat concerning these ungodly partnerships. On this occasion, he agreed to help out Ahab and go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, 
a city which had been seized by the Syrians, and Ahab wanted to claim it back. Jehoshaphat's words on this occasion to Ahab were as follows, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will be with you in the battle. Now, Ahab actually dies in this war, and although Jehoshaphat survives the battle because of his strong belief in the God of Israel and not in pagan deities, he is reprimanded by God through another prophet, this time the prophet Jehu. And reading from 2 Chronicles 19, verse 1 and 2. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the ungodly and love those who hate the Lord, and in doing so bring wrath from the Lord on yourself? So we can see from these scriptures that in a nutshell it can be seen clearly that God hates unholy alliances, or let me rather use another word instead of unholy alliances, the word ungodly, soul ties. Now does that mean that we as born-again believers should not have relationships with sinners or not do business with any worldly people? Of course not, nothing of the sort. If it was the case, then we might as well all go and live in a monastery. No, we are in this world, but we are not of this world as born-again believers. And we are called, we are all called to reach the lost in some way by demonstrating an attitude of unconditional love and acceptance towards unbelievers, remembering too that Yeshua himself spent time with both prostitutes and tax collectors. However, he never once yoked himself with anybody who was a sinner. Now, what exactly then does the term yoke mean? I'm sure many listening to this audio are familiar with that terminology. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 to 18 to get the answer to the question of the meaning of the word yoke. Now the Apostle Paul, when writing to the Corinthian church, warns about being yoked together with unbelievers. The New International Version translation says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? I just want to read several translations here to get a point across to explain the meaning of this word yoke. The Amplified Version reads, Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them inconsistent with your faith for what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness or what fellowship can light have with darkness the weymouth new testament says do not come into close association with unbelievers like oxen yoked with asses for what is there in common between righteousness and lawlessness or what partnership has light with darkness this last translation explains the word yoke very well, since the Greek word is heterozygio, which means to yoke up differently or to associate discordantly. It's interesting to note that the Lord himself commanded Israel in the Old Testament not to plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. 
and that reference is from Deuteronomy 22 verse 10. The union of beasts of different kinds was from a practical sense not a very good idea as two different species would not work well together when they were yoked together, particularly pulling a plow or a wagon. Not only that, the donkey was considered by the Jewish community to be an unclean animal. Therefore, it was likened to having fellowship with one who is not equal. So, from that scripture where it says, do not come into close association with unbelievers like oxen yoked with asses or donkeys, for what is there in common between righteousness and lawlessness, or what partnership has light with darkness? So the meaning of the word yoke is literally not to put two people together, two situations together that are not supposed to be together. Ungodly soul ties or connections or partnerships or unholy alliances, whatever term we might use concerning these spiritual connections, we need to realize that they cannot be seen with the naked eye because they are spiritual ties which are formed in many different ways and consequently always result in negative effects on people's lives if not addressed and cut off in the spiritual realm. I just want to give a couple of examples. Now these might seem quite extreme examples but they are very pertinent and real in the world in which we are living. Now there was a lady I met some years ago who had a dear little girl who very tragically died prematurely. The little girl was about four or five, I think at the time, and she suffered from a heart problem. And understandably so, the family was devastated. But her mother in particular, so much so that for a long period of time, she could not bring herself to sort out her child's bedroom. And she left it there exactly as if the little girl was alive. She was unable to deal with the grief of losing her precious little one. Now, I didn't have much dealings with this lady, but it just reminded me as I was thinking about this and thinking about this teaching, I just felt the Holy Spirit said to speak about a book which was written by Charles Dickens, the novel Great Expectations, which I remember reading years ago that I had to study, and I was just thinking of Miss Havisham, who was one of the characters in this particular book. And she was a wealthy spinster who was jilted at the altar and who insisted on wearing her wedding dress for the rest of her life. She was so stricken by grief and depression. And also she just had no motivation. Everything just remained the same. But you see, yes, it sounds a bit far-fetched. But not really if one understands that ungodly soul ties can even be made with those who have experienced trauma and like Miss Havisham, for instance, she had lost the love of her life and she couldn't let go. And then also, as I mentioned, this other lady who her child had died and she had had an ungodly soul tie even with the dead. I remember another situation with people with whom Graham and I had had dealings and who were convinced 
that they were able to talk to a member of their family who had also deceased. And in their grief-stricken state, they had opened the doors to all sorts of demonic influences. Now, the Bible warns against so-called speaking to the dead. It is known or referred to as necromancy, and it opens the door to very evil spirits. It is an abomination to the Lord. And a reference here is Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 to 13. I'm not going to read it, but part of that scripture says, we are not to consult with the dead. So soul ties can be formed in many different ways, and deliverance is required for any person who has had any dealings with this sort of area. That includes things like glassy glassy, by the way, as a teenager, just as a note here, I was involved with all of that nonsense, and I had to have demons cast out as a result of that, because that is also dealing with spiritual forces of darkness associated with necromancy. Now, referring to the time of mourning, which God gave in the Bible, it actually speaks of a specific time that God gave Israel for the period of mourning. And in Deuteronomy 34 verse 8, I'm not going to go there either, but it does mention that when Israel, they mourned for Moses, it was a period of 30 days. Although this might seem a very short period of time in which to mourn or go through a state of mourning, the loss of a loved one or friend, whoever it might be, every situation is different and unique, of course. But due to the fact that God is not a legalist, it's important to note that the Lord does not ever want his people to live a life which is plagued by spirits of grief and depression or heartbrokenness. It's important that there comes a time of cutoff where a person can start and live life again, as it were. Forget the past, and although, of course, one can never forget someone who is dearly loved, that's not the issue. The issue is the people who are left behind, and there has to come a cutoff time so that a person can live free. And it's important to make sure that any soul ties with the dead are cut off and also that any unholy alliances which might have been formed in any way, not just with the dead, but with the living. Any ungodly soul time must be cut off in the spiritual realm, no matter how they are formed, as it is an open invitation for the devil to wreak havoc in a person's life which will not only have a negative effect on the individual, but also affect others badly and cause dysfunctional relationships. I have, on various occasions during my personal walk with the Lord, cut off ungodly soul ties. My husband has done the same thing. And in doing so, we have prayed very simple prayers. Now, I'm just saying this because we as Christians sometimes can get very complicated when there is really no need to do so. And there's no song and dance really required in cutting off soul ties. A simple prayer asking God for forgiveness for having formed the ungodly tie in the first place and then naming the persons involved 
and then cutting off the connection in the spiritual realm is all that is necessary. Having said this, however, there might be a need for some form of counseling, depending on the damage that has taken place to the human spirit. That's a subject all on its own, but there might be that ongoing need for a person to be walked with for a period of time to go through that process of healing. But in general, where there are soul ties, it is something that an individual can do and just cut it off in the spiritual realm. Another very important aspect for forming good soul ties, I just want to mention this, is the importance to be connected to a local church body. It's also the place where healing takes place. It's a place where good soul ties can be formed. I know, for example, as we meet together as a local church here in our Father's house, God is able to pour out His Spirit and form bonds in the spiritual realm which are good, healthy, happy and uplifting. In short, a community of believers who love God and love one another. And then, of course, there's the lovely, healthy relationships that are formed in family relationships. But there's also the importance of ongoing fellowship with other believers. The Bible says, do not forsake the fellowship of the saints, especially because the days in which we are, are living in are evil. So it's so important to be with like-minded people and to not be yoked with the unbeliever because the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. And so it's so important to be in an atmosphere of like-mindedness where the Spirit of God is moving and where the Lord can help reprogram the mind, where the mind is reprogrammed, where there's a washing over of, of the Word of God on a continual basis with like-minded people, then there will always be good, healthy, strong soul ties. That, as I said, is a subject all on its own for another day. But it's so important to make sure that no unholy alliances are made because not only will it affect one's own personal spiritual state, but it can have very negative effects on future generations. So as I'm going to leave it there, may the Lord's blessing be upon everybody who's listening to this teaching and may the Holy Spirit just reveal more truth and set the captive free in whatever way is necessary concerning the subject of soul ties. In Yeshua's mighty name, Amen.